This is Here Now the News. I'm Jerry Barmish. Donald J. Trump is a two-time impeached president, the only one of the 46 presidents to have that distinction. Trump is also the only president to face an impeachment trial after leaving office. And although he was acquitted, it would appear his legacy is cemented. With the backdrop of President's Day, I decided to speak to a couple of historians about Trump in the weeks since his term ended. Richard Immerman is an author and professor emeritus at Temple University. Alan Lickman is known for his 13 keys to the White House, a formula he's used successfully to pick the winner since 1984. He's also a history professor at American University. Both interviews were done before the Senate trial started. Well, I think I stand with most historians and political experts, and I see Donald Trump fitting at the very bottom of all American presidents. I think he has been the greatest threat to democracy in the history of the presidency, even counting uh, the reviled Andrew Andrew Johnson, who was, of course, impeached only once, unlike (laughs) twice for Donald Trump. And I think he has committed the three worst transgressions in the history of the presidency. Uh, Richard Immerman, the uh, professor of history emeritus at Temple University in Philadelphia. Thank you for uh, joining me today. It's my pleasure. There might be some dispute as to whether or not he could rise to either 44 or 43, but I would say in all likelihood, he would be firmly placed at the very bottom of the list. And 44, 43, uh, what are we looking at there? Like Millard Fillmore? Well, no, he wouldn't be very high, but I would say um, traditionally the, uh, the ranks of the bottom ranks of the presidency have been fought over by um, James Buchanan, Franklin Pierce, some people will throw in Warren Harding. I tend to place him a little bit higher. Um, and then there's always Richard Nixon, who um, is almost in a class by himself uh, in terms of the, the difficulty. Um, so, but I would say that in this case, um, Trump's primary competitors would be James Buchanan. Oh, and, and Andrew Johnson. I forgot about Andrew, Andrew Johnson. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that his primary competitors are um, Andrew Johnson and James Buchanan, with Pierce and Harding probably. Usually for presidents, there takes time before history, you know, almost the, the years have to settle. But it doesn't seem like, is that the case? And is there time for him to, to move up on the bottom rung, if you will? You know, the great British prime minister, Benjamin Disraeli, once said, finality is not a word we use in politics. Of course, things could change. And sometimes they do. Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower are examples of presidents who've risen in esteem over time. But for many presidents, that hasn't happened. You know, it didn't happen for uh, James Buchanan or Franklin Pierce or Andrew Johnson. And I would be surprised if that's going to happen with Donald Trump, particularly since I believe the records of the Trump administration will be the least informative records in the history of the presidency, because I have no doubt that many communications were never recorded. And I would even suspect that uh, he is not fully 
going to disclose even those communications that are recorded. You know, he's only been out of office, what, three weeks? And already things are coming out that makes him look worse. You know, there was a scathing report from the uh, Government Accountability Office, 364 pages, which just blasted the Trump administration's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It said, you know, they had issued over the last year 21 recommendations and 17 of them weren't even followed along with, a, you know, an obvious lack of transparency. And just today, there was a report that further highlighted the extent to which uh, political appointees in the Trump administration discarded science and were pushing for, you know, quack cures like hydroxychloroquine and other anti-scientific uh, measures. We need years both for two real reasons. One is perspective. Um, you know, we need some sort of perspective. And just as we've been talking about, you know, as soon as you say someone is the worst, someone else comes along. So, you know, there's always this comparative, but it is really perspective. But also significantly, um, in the past, many times a president's reputation, it usually rises, but sometimes it could fall based on the release of documents, um, materials, the, the stuff with which we can go behind the scenes of a president, behind the public scenes, and see what's really going on. Um, the, probably the most prominent example of that in the last 25 years has been Dwight Eisenhower, who left office considered a mediocrity at best and is now usually ranked among the top 10 of all times. And that was really driven by the papers and his diaries and his letters and all of the things that we open so that someone writes a book entitled The Hidden Hand Presidency, because everything was hidden. With Trump, first of all, as I said, he didn't really achieve anything. So it's going to be hard to go back to the record and see, well, he did this or he did that, other than, let's say, the tax cuts um, which again will be controversial, but he doesn't have a legislative um, record that historians are likely to look at and say, wow, you know, we actually underestimated what he did. Um, he doesn't have a foreign policy record of achievements that we can look at. Um, and then you have issues like that he left office, uh, you know, there's the pandemic and um, the, the economic crisis that is, is, um, is linked to that. But given the severity of the conditions, unlike let's say in Eisenhower, we could say, well, for eight years, we prospered. Or um, he did this, in other words, we can't look at Trump and say, well, he, 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 he inherited a really bad deck, um, deck of cards, but he mitigated it. There's no evidence that he mitigated it. I mean, you yeah. know, that's the problem. And, and that's where um, it, it will be so difficult to imagine his reviving um, or resurrecting or whatever, rebuilding his reputation. And then concurrently, you have all the falsehoods and you have the election and, you know, what happened on Washington 6. So, you know, it's hard to say, you can never say it's impossible, but as a historian who has 
looked at a lot of presidents very carefully. I just can't imagine where the wiggle room is to rebuild his reputation. And certainly even like Jimmy Carter, who was never in there, you know, he had such a sterling post-presidential career that I think some people will look back and they're going to give him a benefit of doubt or he's going to say, well, yes, he did have a hard time. It's hard to imagine Trump having a very distinguished post-presidential career. Hmm. You know, you mentioned uh, about foreign policy and he had no uh, no achievements. Uh, Trump and a lot of his his administration will say, but wait, we had no war. Well, so, well, one, his campaign was to, he inherited two wars which are still going on. So that's the endless war part. I mean, he didn't, um, he wasn't Woodrow Wilson and he ran in and said, well, I'll keep you out of war. Right. He ran on the thing, we're going to end a war. So he doesn't get as much credit for keeping us out of a war and he didn't end a war. But meanwhile, you do have um, the war in Yemen, let's say, that the United States supported, which Biden now has said we're no longer going to support. That's not to say that Biden's immediately going to get credit for having done that. But um, if, if you look at what uh, Trump campaigned on, such as he did, and remember when he, re, when he runs again, he doesn't even have a platform, so we can't gauge it. He said, let's just go back to where we were to begin with. Right. Um, so uh, in terms of foreign policy, uh, as I say, there's really nothing substantive to talk about other than perhaps, but we'll see, some will say that the Abraham Accords and the Middle East, but he doesn't really reach any sort of major resolution. The most people could say is that he made a couple inroads into that, but he, historians aren't going to get much given that much credit because basically he got the low-hanging fruit and the, the, the more difficult challenges sort of remain to be addressed. Trump from day one uh, tried to separate himself from his predecessor, President Barack Obama. Uh, do you think by the way his administration went that he actually is making Obama uh, better in terms of uh, historical perspective as time goes by? That's probably true. Uh, although if he's lifting all boats, the rankings, which are comparative, are not going to be fundamentally changed. But I do think uh, prior presidents, in light of the disaster of Trump's four years, will look better to the American people and perhaps even to scholars. Although uh, I'm not sure how much influence scholars are going to be by that. Possibly. Um, you know, it's it sort of, um, here's another person who's, re, who's been, reputation has gained over the last couple of years is George H.W. Bush, um, who left office, I mean, not overly criticized, but also a one-term president um, who was criticized for not having the vision thing um, other things such as that, um, but also I think has um, has gained in terms of his reputation as documents have come uh, have become released or more publicly available, um, following sort of the general guideline of do no harm. So uh, you know, Bush it was a very difficult time when he was president, the end of the Cold War. 
and he was very careful. Maybe he wasn't so bold, but uh, he certainly wanted to, um, and we, we have a lot of evidence to do this, to make sure that things don't get worse. Um, as they could be given the volatile situation with the former Soviet Union or East Europe or, or whatever it is. Um, Obama also will not get a tremendous amount of credit for what he did. Um, not that he treaded water, he did disengage from Iraq, um, more or less, but it remained quite unstable. Uh, you know, the bigger challenges, Afghanistan, committed troops, still questions about whether he made the mistake of saying, yeah, we're only going to do it for a certain amount of time, which then gave incentive to the Taliban. You could go through all of his different issues, but America's alliances, which historians still consider the bedrock of America's global posture, um, remained firm. And if anything, uh, grew stronger during his time. Along comes Trump with America first and basically blowing up all of our allies. So in that sense, yes, I think that Obama probably will, um, by comparison, people will look to improve. And then Biden essentially bringing in so many Obama people right. and sort of a reset, that will probably help Obama as well. I mean, the Derek Cholet, who's, who's now in the Biden administration, wrote a book called The Long Game, in which basically he said that Obama was playing the long game. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. And certainly historians are going to use that as a framework by which to assess him. Trump, again, different. He didn't say the long game. I'm going to fix everything. He promised so much and he did so little that, um, I mean, that's going to haunt him in terms of the historical record forever. James mm -hmm. K. Polk, to go back way back, is often criticized for being um, too belligerent and for getting the United States into wars. Um, in this case, the Mexican War. He also served just one term, but he's the opposite. He said, this is what I'm gonna do, and this is what he did. And so historians actually, at one point, ranked him very high, even though they didn't agree with what he did. He was one of the very few presidents who basically, um, you know, promised, fulfilled what his platform and promises were, you know, which is basically taking Texas and California and a lot of other things. In his post-presidency, will, will he try to uh, help his legacy? I'm, I'm thinking like Nixon did with Frost. To, to help himself uh, in those later years and, and obviously in, for generations to come. C can Trump do any, anything like that going forward? I don't think Trump can pull off a Richard Nixon. Look, what's only really the only thing the two have in common is deeply twisted, uh, paranoid personalities that put their own political and personal uh, advantages above the good of the nation. Other than that, uh, contrast is stark. You know, Nixon was a truly brilliant, if twisted, individual. He had a deep grasp of American politics, of American history. He had a deep grasp of what was going on in the world. And he wrote quite a few books, you know, to try to reestablish himself as 
an elder statesman and to burnish his legacy. I don't see Donald Trump as being even remotely capable of doing anything like that. All scholars are very concerned about uh, what kind of access we will get to um, his records and how complete that access will be. I mean, we know that um, he tore up documents, he confiscated documents, he deleted tweets, and there's a lot of stuff on electronic. I personally, you know, I'm sort of glad I won't be around in, in however many years when he's open, because I think historians are going to have a tremendous difficulty assessing how reliable that record is. Hmm. So since that's usually been a major reason and part of the um, revision in terms of views of presidents, I don't think it's going to be difficult to, for him to benefit from. But secondly, you know, Nixon was a really smart guy who knew an awful lot about foreign policy and could therefore portray himself, offer himself up as this sort of wise statesman who would write a half a dozen books about Vietnam, about nuclear weapons, about things like that, that people will read. Um, it was remarkable how he did that. And clearly it was self-promotion but he was someone who people would listen to. I don't see where Trump has that. I mean, he doesn't have the background. He didn't develop the reputation in any area of policy that people would say, well, this is an expert who we should listen to in the same way that look at the experience that George H.W. Bush brought as a one president. Or then you have Jimmy Carter who didn't have that same sort of experience, but then went out and did all of these wonderful things with human rights. I guess Trump could do that, but he'd have to undergo a tremendous personality transformation to be able to do that. And, and meanwhile, as we know now, he's still saying that he, you know, he, the record was stolen from him. And, and then right. the other thing is, is that everything is fake news. He, he, he's never accepted responsibility for any of the problems that he confronted. So I don't know how he would be able now. You said with David Frost, would David Frost invite Donald Trump for an interview? Would, would Donald Trump go to that interview or would he go to Fox News or one of the others? It's something that's less credible um, than David Frost. That's a good point. Right. Because those right wing, I mean, you see it still, all the conspiracy theories, Newsmax and so forth constantly. It'd be very, very difficult. If he is not convicted, which doesn't seem to be uh, that the numbers are there, does that help his legacy at all? No, I don't think no matter what happens in this trial, it helps his legacy. First of all, in the latest poll, 56 percent of Americans think that he should be convicted. Only 43 percent thought not. And I don't see that going down once all the ugly details of what happened on January 6th and the two months before that come out in the Senate trial. In many ways, the real audience is not so much Republicans in the Senate, although they're an important audience, but the real audience is the American people. If in fact, you know, even a handful of Republicans vote to convict him, that's going to make it very difficult for Trump to make the claim that he was exonerated. He'll only be you know, not convicted because 
while a majority voted against him, it didn't reach the two thirds. I assume even though as a one term president, there have been several, uh, Trump does not have any uh, equals among any of the other presidents. Not really. I mean, others, of course, Polk did not run again. Franklin Pierce didn't even get the nomination for the second time. But in terms of his peers, I mean, there's really, I, I can't think of a parallel with, with Trump. And then there is the issue of his refusal to accept the, the, the election. And regardless, of, no one else did that. I mean, there's, there the contrast with Nixon is really stark, um, particularly in 1960, in which he probably, he certainly had a better case than Trump did this time, um, but he, he accepted it just as Hubert Humphrey accepted it, as Al Gore accepted it. That's part of American political culture, or at least we thought it was. In some ways, th- those two months may be his legacy. Um, I think they're going to be very much his, his legacy, but that goes back to what we said before. Right. If that's the fulcrum of his legacy, and then he didn't achieve much in the previous four years, here again, how do, how do you revive or rebuild this guy's reputation? It's far-fetched, but it's still a possibility that uh, if Trump is not convicted and not banned from running again, he could, and there is that looming 2024 possibility. If he were to win, I would think a second term would automatically lift him to a different level, right, as far as history goes. It is. I mean, we've never really confronted this before. Um, Grover Cleveland is the only president who who served two non-consecutive terms. Um, Again, it was an interesting period of time, and there was none of that sort of drama with um, with Trump. So if he ran again and won, um, certainly it would cement his place in the history books more than now. Whether it'd be improvement, that's not clear. Um, it would depend upon what he ran on and whether he was elected um, in a way that it had implications for policy that would sort of move the nation forward as opposed to running on a campaign that the election was stolen before. Um, it's my right to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, uh, and, and the people who support him remain the people who believe that the election was stolen. A second term might actually be fatal to American democracy, given the way he's attacked American democracy you know, saying I can do anything I want as president, stonewalling all congressional oversight, building a presidency on lies, attacking the free press, politically manipulating justice. Imagine all of that multiplied by two in a second Trump term. But look, Trump has his hands full. He's got a lot to worry about aside from mounting another presidential campaign when he's well into his 70s. He has $400 million plus in loans coming due. Banks have said they won't do business with him anymore. He could face serious prosecution in uh, New York State, and no federal pardon can protect him from that. He has a slew of civil suits to deal with, including one by E. Jean Carroll, in which she claimed Hmm. Trump raped her in the 1990s. And like Monica Lewinsky, she has DNA evidence. He's been a ban from Twitter, his brand, his businesses, 
his approval rating, even among Republicans, is falling. He faces a huge uh, potential IRS bill. He's got a lot to worry about above and beyond running for office. Thanks to my guests, Professors Alan Lickman and Richard Emmerman. If you like what you hear, please share this or other episodes. You can reach me on Twitter at Jerry Varmash. Email hearnowthenewsjb at gmail.com. Like my Hear Now the News Facebook page, you'll find occasional live stream events. Thanks for your support and listening to Hear Now the News. 